Welcome to the Nourish Gut Podcast, the go-to place for all things gut health. I'm Carly Raven, your gut health naturopath and nutritionist, here to guide you on a journey towards a happier, healthier digestive system. Are you tired of feeling bloated, battling with unpredictable digestion or fearing every meal? Well, you're in the right place. Each week we dive into the world of gut health, breaking down the complexities and uncovering practical strategies to help you and your digestive system thrive. I know firsthand the challenges of dealing with conditions like SIBO and IBS, and that's why I'm here to share expert insights, debunk myths, and bring you interviews with leading experts in the field. Whether you're a practitioner looking for effective clinical solutions or an individual seeking relief from digestive symptoms, you're not alone on this journey. So grab your favorite kombucha or a herbal tea, sit back, and let's dive deep into the world of gut health. Hello and welcome back to the Nourish Gut podcast. Today we're diving deep into the world of constipation, intestinal methane overgrowth, and I'm going to refer to that as EMO today, I-M-O, and we're going to discuss finding relief through food. And if you are a common listener of the Nourish Gut podcast, you will know how passionate I am about food as medicine and food for poor gut health. And so it's been a while since I've talked a little bit about constipation um, and emo. And we recently did a deep dive into our treatment of emo and constipation in our clinic and something we're really passionate about is reviewing research, reviewing the way that we treat our patients. Um, And because I am a mentor in the gut health space, I'm constantly looking at research as well. Um, So we had some new things come to light, um, which sparked curiosity for us. And some of these things have changed, you know, some of the ways that we're treating our patients, but it's also um, shed a light on some things that we're going to keep monitoring Um, And we're hoping some more research is going to come out. But let's dive in. Before I jump in too far, I kind of want to take a step back quickly and just discuss constipation, discuss emo for a little moment. And then we're going to move into like the guts of what I really want to talk about today, because I feel like there is always this narrative about cutting foods out, following a restricted diet for people who have gut issues like IBS and SIBO. And it just doesn't sit well with me. And I'm on a little bit of a mission to share information about why the opposite might be true. And when it comes to constipation and emo, this is where it is the most true. It's about looking at whether a restricted diet and taking out foods is actually what is best for your gut issue. And when it comes to constipation and emo, I don't think it is. I'm going to explore that some more today. So hang around and join me as we take a deep dive into all things poo and constipation. All right, so constipation 
is a common digestive issue characterized by infrequent bowel movements. So that would mean either difficulty passing a stool and or the sensation of incomplete emptying after taking a bowel motion. It can also vary in severity from mild discomfort to chronic and even debilitating symptoms. Um, And I want to just run you through some of the common signs and symptoms of constipation because not everyone really realizes what constipation is. It's quite common for people that join us and work with us in the Nourish Gut program that once we start asking them about their bowel motions, they're like, oh, wow. You know, most people think constipation is like not just doing a poo every day, but there's a little bit more to it than just that. So infrequent bowel movements. So typically this means having fewer than three bowel motions per week. Difficulty passing a stool. This would require you to be straining during a bowel motion or even just feeling like or seeing that your stool is hard and lumpy. So when you're looking down at the toilet bowl, you can sometimes see like that corn and a cob where there's like pebbles of the stool are stuck together rather than like a nice smooth sausage looking stool. It can also mean feeling incomplete. So you cannot pass and you've got that sensation that you haven't completely emptied your bowel after you've been to the toilet. Constipation can also mean abdominal discomfort and bloating. So the discomfort or the pain in your abdominal area is often accompanied by having bloating and distension. And these things can all kind of go together. And it's kind of a bit of a sign that you might be a bit constipated and things aren't moving through regularly enough. And then another sign is rectal bleeding. So the occasional rectal bleeding can be due to the straining of a bowel motion or even something like hemorrhoids, which can be secondary to suffering from constipation. So let's now discover, and I want to walk you through, like what might be causing constipation. And there might not be just one thing for you. There might be a combination of things, and there may be things that you don't even know about. So Number one is inadequate dietary fiber. So simply not consuming enough fiber-rich foods and they things like fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes can lead to constipation. Most people know about this, right? We know that we need to be eating enough fiber. We now know that we need to be eating a diverse range of fibers, such as the gut 30, or as I call it, the gut 40, because we're going to be overachievers <laughs> and we are going to nail having gut 30. If you don't know what I'm talking about, head to my website or the show notes and download my gut 40 resource and you'll learn more about that there. But we, you know, this, this, this point here in itself is what we're going to be discussing in a little bit, because if inadequate fiber is one of the key things for constipation, then why do we tend to use restrictive diets for IBS, SIBO, EMO, you might be wondering. I had the same questions. And we've done experiments in our clinic and busted the boundaries with all of this stuff. Okay. So you may be sitting there going, but I eat more fiber and I feel worse. Well, that's actually a sign that you have SIBO or EMO and you should definitely test for that. And this is why looking at it from a root cause perspective and implementing personalized strategies 
for what's going on in your gut is really, really important. Okay. But overall, for constipation, we know that not having enough fiber and not having a diverse diet is going to impact your bowel. All right. Low fluid intake, so dehydration, insufficient water intake can result in hard and dry stools that are difficult to pass. A lack of physical activity, so a sedentary lifestyle, lack of exercise can lead you to have those sluggish bowel motions. Different sorts of medication can also really impact people's um, bowels and lead to constipation. So things like opioids or antacids, especially the antacids that contain aluminium or calcium. Uh, some other things to watch out for are like antidepressants because they can cause constipation as a side effect. So you might like to consider that if you're listening today and you suffer from constipation. And there are medical conditions. So I've discussed today a bit about IBS, SIBO, um, an underfunctioning thyroid, which is called hypothyroidism, diabetes, and neurological disorders uh, can also be associated with constipation. So this is where, you know, us as gut health naturopaths, we would go, okay, yes, you have constipation, but what's causing the constipation? And we would deep dive into that and look at your own root causes for that constipation. Alongside that, we would be definitely doing an assessment of your diet and your lifestyle to make sure that you're doing these basic fundamental things, which most people are like, most people know they need to drink more water, that they should be avoiding unnecessary medications, that they need to be moving their body every day. They know that fiber is something, and you know, and so many people come to us taking Metamucil and doing all the things that they think is the right thing, but sometimes it's not. So my first little tip today is if you haven't done these things, like if you are simply not drinking enough water, you're not moving your body, you're taking some of these medications and you're not having enough fiber, you need to start doing that now, okay, because these will shift your constipation. But if you were doing all of these things and you were still struggling, that is where you would reach out to us so that we can help you dive deeper and work out what's going on in the bigger picture. Like this could be a microbiome imbalance. You could have something like methane overgrowth. Methane, Methanobacter smithii is a species of bacteria that is linked in with constipation. So if you have that species in your gut, you will be more likely to be constipated as well. So when we can shift that, then the constipation will ease as well. Okay, so step one, do the things we've talked about today. If you're one of the people, the many people that I know that are, reach out to us and let's get to the root cause of what's going on for you. Hello, this is just a quick break from today's episode because I have a game changer for all healthcare practitioners out there and it's my SIBO Food Roadmap and Practitioner Training. Elevate your practice with this comprehensive program designed exclusively for practitioners passionate like you, aiming to make a profound effect on your clients' lives through their diet and successful IBS and SIBO treatment. Unlock the power of my dietary therapy, the six-age system, guiding your clients through their SIBO treatment journey. Say goodbye to confusion. This roadmap provides clear dietary protocols, ensuring optimal results and long-term relief. Gain access to the full training, invaluable resources, a detailed guide, 
a recipe book with over 70 plus detailed SIBO-friendly recipes and four weeks worth of meal plans, making the SIBO Food Roadmap a breeze for both you and your clients. You're going to dive into exclusive video tutorials led by myself, offering insights, research-based knowledge and practical strategies for exceptional results. Become a certified practitioner with prescribing rights, empowering you to guide your clients confidently. And guess what? As an affiliate, your prescription of the SIBO Food Roadmap will see you earn a generous 20% commission with each referral enrollment, and that's a win-win. Elevate your practice and make a lasting impact on your clients' lives. Sign up now using the code ROADMAP100, all in capitals, for a $100 discount. Head to our show note link now, revolutionize your practice with the SIBO Food Roadmap and practitioner training. Now, intestinal methane overgrowth, also known as EMO, okay, or SIBO, right? They're basically the same thing, except that it's not a bacteria. Methane isn't a bacteria. It's called an archaea. It's still in the small intestine, but they had to redo the name so that it wasn't SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth because methane is not a bacteria. So don't get confused there. EMO is still SIBO. You know, we almost need to rename the whole thing, but that would be very, very confusing, right? (laughs) So it is a methane dominant flora. It is a condition characterized by that abnormal increase in the methane producing bacteria, specifically in the small intestine. But we can also get an overgrowth of this bacteria in the large intestine as well. But when we're talking about it from a small intestinal perspective, we're actually talking about the methane is a gas that's being produced by the certain bacteria during the fermentation of these undigested carbohydrates. Okay. So when there is an overgrowth of this methane producing bacteria in the small intestine, it can lead to this excessive production of the methane gas, which can then go on and contribute to the symptoms of constipation and the relationship here between constipation and SIBO-EMO is complex, right? And multifactorial. It's not always simple. So while, like what I want to talk about now is like while not all cases of constipation are caused by um, EMO and SIBO, some individuals also have like chronic constipation and they may have this underlying EMO-SIBO contributing to their symptoms and if that's not resolved then their symptoms aren't going to be resolved all right so the methane gas produced by the bacteria in the small intestine can slow down intestinal motility and transit time leading to what is called a delayed bowel movement peristalsis and therefore leading to the constipation so that's some of the mechanism of action that is happening with this condition all right Let's summarize this for a second, right? So constipation is a common digestive issue characterized by infrequent bowel motions, difficulty passing stools, while intestinal methane overgrowth is a condition involving an abnormal increase in methane-producing bacteria in the small intestine. While not all cases of constipation are caused by emo and SIBO, addressing underlying gastrointestinal issues, including emo and SIBO, may help you to alleviate your symptoms of constipation and abdominal pain, abdominal gas, okay? So I hope that kind of summarizes what we just kind of went through in a little paragraph for you. 
So with all knowing all of that information, I kind of want to move on and have this discussion about, okay, well, should I be eating more or less fiber? What do I need and what do I do? Well, the first step is if you increase your fiber intake and you feel worse, and it's not actually contributing, uh, sorry, not actually improving your symptoms or creating change, then it's likely that there's other stuff going on, all right? And if you're doing all of those other things that we talked about earlier, then your next step right now is to get investigated for emo and SIBO, all right? And you can do that by reaching out to us. It's something that we do on our Nourish Gut program is referrals for uh, breath testing um, and microbiome testing for our patients. And it is essential. Like you're not going to know this information if you don't do the testing. Okay, so put that as a priority um, on your list to get well. And if you are currently treating your SIBO and EMO and you are on a really restricted diet where you are cutting out major food groups, maybe you're following the low FODMAP diet or other forms of SIBO, IBS diets, like carbohydrate diets, biphasic diet, and if you are doing that for an extended period of time and your constipation isn't getting better or it is getting worse, this is an indication that that isn't working for you. So many people come to us that have been on restrictive diets for so much longer than they need to be. And this has an impact on your microbiome. It creates what I refer to as a sad microbiome, a a loss of diversity, the lack of feeding this beautiful ecosystem of bacteria, and we need a balance, right? And this is what we do as practitioners and as experts in SIBO. It's this beautiful balance between trying to treat the overgrowth while nourishing supporting and not depriving the microbiome and the two contradict themselves but what we've found through our research and our clinical experience is that it is possible all right and this is part of the reason why I created the SIBO food roadmap that we use it's a dietary nutrition program for all of our patients that have SIBO IBS bowel disease fructose malabsorption all of the things that are going wrong in the gut this diet can be used to rebalance that It is so much less restrictive and you get to move through the phases much quicker than any other diet that is available uh, for treating IBS and SIBO. And it is a clear plan on how to do that. It's a six-stage process. I do have another podcast episode where I talk in depth about the SIBO food roadmap. It was something that I launched as a uh, training certification for practitioners uh, middle of 2023. So if you're a practitioner listening, reach out and um, have a chat to me if you want to use this for your patients. If you are someone who's been following an, another restrictive diet and you're not getting the results, please reach out um, and we can work with you on the Nourish Gut program and put you through our nutrition program and get you eating all the foods again because no one wants to be eating like a parrot and um, suffering and still experiencing symptoms. So what we actually have found, and this is still 
I want to pause for a second here too and talk about the different types of SIBO. There's hydrogen and methane. Today we are talking about methane-dominant SIBO, so I do not want you to get confused about and include hydrogen SIBO here. I have a different pathway for our our hydrogen-positive SIBO patients in terms of their diet. And it's the same for hydrogen sulfide SIBO positive patients. They have another different pathway and some additional things to consider. So methane, if you are someone who has constipation and maybe you've tested positive for methane, then what we started doing was looking at, okay, well, rather than depriving and cutting out all of these foods, what if we actually get really specific with what type of foods we are giving these patients and actually move them through our SIBO food roadmap quicker? and get them to actually put more foods in there. And what we saw was really great outcomes in our clinic. So we are finding that patients with constipation and methane only respond beautifully when they have a diet of inclusion with specific, it's still got parameters and boundaries, right? They're still potentially not cutting Uh, They're still potentially not consuming all of the foods, right? There are stages within the SIBO food roadmap that are strategically there to treat the overgrowth, like I was speaking about before. But we're trying to get to a place where it is more inclusive, quicker for these patients, okay? So that is really key here, is trying to understand that if you're not responding and you're on a restricted diet, that the opposite is likely going to be needed and you're going to most likely see a really great response. And it makes sense. Like when we actually pause for a moment and think about what's going on in the bowel, like the physiology of this gastrointestinal system and the things that aren't working properly if you have constipation, it makes sense that we need more fiber to keep the bowel bolt and healthy but that's really hard if you have SIBO. So it's got to find this balance, okay? I found that when I was using other SIBO diets for my SIBO patients that my constipated patients were getting really bad constipation in the first couple of weeks to a month of treatment. And that's not good. Like we don't we don't want to worsen someone's primary reason for coming to see us, <laughs> you know? Like I don't want to make your poo worse. So I had to find another way and it's been really rewarding in my clinical practice to create something that's been getting such great outcomes, you know, and our research is always forever expanding in this area and we are currently collecting data on all of our patients (laughs) on the outcomes based off the dietary therapies, the supplementation and the testing that we're doing in our clinic from a methane constipation perspective as well. So I love collecting a bit of data to help us see patterns um, and trends with how everyone is improving. Now, there are some actual researchy stuff that I wanted to talk about today because I love a bit of research and I know that people who listen to my podcast love to nerd out. I get contacted all the time by you guys saying, oh my God, loving the podcast. I love that it's, you know, relatable and also research-based. So I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to keep bringing you the research and the details because I know you love it. So this, what I'm talking about today is backed by research. So when we go into PubMed and Google Scholar and things like that, and we had a bit of a deep dive and a look at, okay, well, what's happening from a low fiber food restriction, constipation and methane point of view based off population groups that have that have been studied on. And today I'll quickly want to run you through three different studies 
that we found um, that, you know, is confirming some of the things that we have found. So there was a meta-analysis that outlined that constipation is least likely to benefit from a low FODMAP diet. That was their outcome. There was another one that found that there was 15 healthy subjects and 15 subjects with IBS following the, they were diagnosed with IBS following the Rome criteria. And they undertook a single blind crossover intervention. And this study found that less methane was produced when consuming a high FODMAP diet compared to a low FODMAP diet. Right? Interesting stuff. And then the third study that I want to mention today was a parallel randomized control trial um, on healthy individuals. It was only 37, so a smaller study. And there was no change in this population group to methane production when using a low FODMAP diet. So what I was seeing in my clinic, I'm now, it's not just happening in my clinic. I was like, wow, this is actually, there's research behind this and that they're actually looking into it and seeing not great outcomes. So these things were part of the reason why I created the SIBO Food Roadmap and why I've created pathways for different types of SIBO and how we treat that from a dietary perspective. I love food. I love food as medicine. Like, right, taking all the supplements and doing all the things is great, but we eat so often. We eat three times a day. So nutrition and food is paramount. And if we're not addressing that and we're not looking at the research there, we're not changing our diet, then we're not doing everything that we possibly can to overcome SIBO and IBS and our really terrible bowel issues, okay? So if any health professional ever tells you that diet has nothing to do with your bloating, pain, constipation, diarrhea, walk away. Like, it is absolute ball dust. I don't like swearing on my podcast, but I would have sworn then that's how much I believe that statement, okay? So it is absolutely not true. You can probably tell right now, like I'm getting revved up, like I'm so passionate about this. If you're not changing your diet, if you're not eating well, and you're not eating according to your condition and your symptoms or your type of SIBO or whether you have bowel disease, like this stuff matters and I it still boggles my brain that there are health professionals out there. I just got off the call this morning, right? I had a gut health call, which is a call where you can chat to us about our Nourish Gut program and we work out whether it's the right thing for you. So we had a new inquiry on the call and she has debilitating diarrhea up to 20 times a day. She's got calprotectin through the roof. She has got blood and mucus in her stool. She's losing weight. And she told me on the call that after I had told her our approach and how we address these things, that we have a really big focus on nutrition and food. And her response was like, thank God. Like, I'm so glad to hear that. I'm not going crazy. Like, I knew that food is making, you know, my symptoms worse in some ways because I know something's not right, but the foods are like aggravating it. And I can see that. But my specialist has told me that it's got nothing to do uh, with food. And she even said I was hospitalized for 10 days. And in the hospital, she was also told after she asked a few questions about food 
that it had nothing to do with it. So not true. <laughs> Please just do not listen to that type of advice. And we need to, we need to move away from that because it is so important. Anyway, I'm going to move on. That's my ranty pants for today. Carly's rant pants. <laughs> Um, so they were the three studies that kind of backed up the stuff that I was finding in my clinical practice, you know, the outcomes that I was having where these diets were making some of my patients more constipated or they just plateaued and they weren't really getting better compared to other patients that might've been hydrogen positive that were doing the exact same thing and having really great outcomes. Right. And this is another important reminder to treat to be treated as an individual, you are unique. You're not like the next person that has SIBO. Even though you have the same diagnosis, you still might be treated differently and you need to be. So cookie cutter protocols, things like that, it just, it might get you 50% better, but it won't get you full resolution. Now let's move on to some exciting stuff today. I want to leave you with some kind of like, um, we're watching this space. Um, there's a bit more happening from a research perspective. We're looking at for all the foodies out there, like me that love nutrition and food is medicine. There are some really great things that we can do that's backed up by, these are kind of more animal studies. So I'm hoping that what we will find is that these will go, oh, wow, we're actually starting to see a trend with these animal studies. Let's actually start doing this on some humans and seeing what outcomes we get with humans. But green tea and seaweed, there's some really great data on animal-based studies behind um, it helping with methane, so emo, and therefore constipation. And so consuming that through diet would be and could be really beneficial for you. And the other thing is rhubarb root, okay? And this can be um, all of these things, like your green tea and rhubarb root could be uh, like a supplemental form. But we can also do these things through our diet, right? Food is medicine. So rhubarb root for methane some really interesting stuff coming out on, again, it's animal studies though, but uh, there are some human studies on rhubarb root for being effective on constipation. And we know that's kind of related there. So I'm really hoping there's a bit more that will come out with rhubarb root um, there. So these are all different things that we, we use for our patients um, depending on the patient. And we analyze that and work out whether that's what's right for them. Um, and these are all wonderful things that we include into our SIBO food roadmap at the right stage for that type of SIBO as well. The other interesting thing is soy isoflavones. So soy, so soybeans. So consuming soy isoflavones has been found to be really great clinically and backed by research for both hydrogen and methane reduction so for all the soy haters out there maybe maybe just i'll flip that theory on its head today and say bring back the soy but if you are going to bring in some soy products and you have gut issues just monitor how you tolerate them and 
I know nothing about you listening right now. And it is always best to consult with your healthcare practitioner that has done the deep dive that is needed to give this type of advice. But if you can tolerate it, incorporate it into your diet, see how you go. Soybeans, so soy milk, um, or some beautiful tofu. Please make sure these things are organic and fermented because the GMO aspect of it from a soy perspective is not the greatest. So let's move into some tips, right? I want to leave you with some really easy to implement tips to help with your constipation and methane. So you need to eat motility promoting foods every single day like kiwi fruit, black seeds, leafy greens, and pomegranate. And if you could trial incorporating some organic tempeh, tofu, maybe some soy milk into your diet, making sure that it's organic and fermented could be really helpful for you. All right. And this is on top of the things we were talking about before, drinking good water, adequate water, moving your body, right? And bringing all of these things together in combination with treating your SIBO and EMO effectively and properly with the right combination of herbs and diet and prebiotics and maybe medicine, who knows? Sometimes you need these things and different types of things and different rounds of SIBO treatment to get you to where your goals are. But I really hope today has enlightened you and given you some hope if you are currently stuck in that cycle of constipation and all of the associated symptoms like bloating and pain and gas, a restricted diet and feeling at a loss as to what to do next. Sometimes you're even told that it's all in your head Maybe you've been told that it's just because of stress. But I'm here today to tell you that there are other things that you need to investigate. And if you haven't tested for SIBO, done a microbiome test and worked with us on our Nourish Gut program and trialed the SIBO food roadmap, then you definitely have not tried it all. And we have so much success with our patients and the outcomes that they get when it comes to resolving their complex gut issues. So you do not need to put up with this and you have to keep seeking answers. It's not normal. Your symptoms aren't normal. And we know that it's possible to live a life where you don't have any of these things, that you can go out and eat or food without having to worry about the next day or have social anxiety because you've got that much gas or you're going to have diarrhea, okay? Your life can be different, so please reach out to us. The next step, if you do want to work with us, is just to book a gut health call and we will chat to you and listen to you about what you've done, where you've been, what your journey has been so far and let you know whether we think that we would be able to help you. And it's an honest conversation. We're not going to convince you if we don't actually think that 
our method and process isn't going to help you. And I mentor practitioners Australia-wide. So if I feel like there's someone that would be better suited to you, I will on that call let you know. So if you are suffering from gut issues, like the mini that we've discussed today, please reach out, book a gut health call, or feel free to just reach out to me over on Instagram or send me an email. All right. Please do not suffer alone. And I really hope today's information gives you hope and inspires you to try some new foods like kiwi fruit and flax seeds and leafy greens, pomegranate. Maybe you're kind of mind blown at the fact that soy isoflavones can be great for methane and hydrogen SIBO. Maybe you're going to go and try some rhubarb root, eat some seaweed. My two-year-old loves seaweed. Like it's also really good for iodine, which we're so low in in our soils. So yes, go and do those things and reach out if you need us. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Nourish Gut. If you've enjoyed today's deep dive into gut health or found value in our discussions, please consider subscribing, leaving a review or sharing with a friend who could use a little digestive support. Remember, your gut is not just a digestion center, but a core part of your overall well-being. If you have specific topics you'd like us to cover or even just a question you'd like us to answer, feel free to reach out. You can find us over on Instagram at Carly Raven Naturopath or even drop us an email at hello at carlyraven.com. And before we go, a big thank you to you, our incredible community and our dedicated listeners. Your journey to butter gut health inspires us every single day. Stay tuned for more insightful episodes. And until next time, take care of your gut, nourish your body and embrace the amazing journey to a healthier, happier you.